What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. Welcome back, everybody. We're really excited to bring this episode to you because it is a listener request. Yes. we. You ask, we answer. But yeah, so we were requested to do this episode and we are going to be talking through how we decided our personal fields, our life paths at this ripe old age of 22. We have decided (laughs) what to do with ourselves for the rest of our lives. So yeah, so we're not only going to talk about like the fields that we landed on, but also kind of like why we chose these paths. So this is definitely a more personal episode topic, but we wanted to share our experiences so that you can apply them to your life and maybe be a little introspective on what your journey has been and where you want it to go. So we're going to end with our advice on navigating, deciding these things for yourself after some little personal anecdotes here. Yes, for sure. But before we start, we do want to say that there are thunderstorms happening right now. So if you hear loud booms, rain (laughs) noises, rest assured, it, it is the thunder outside. Yeah, and we live in adjacent towns, and the storm yeah. seems to be like traveling back and forth between our towns. Yeah. So I feel like it's going to be, it might be a consistent noise, but who knows? Maybe it's a vibe. Could be relaxing. An ASMR so, episode. Yeah, take it as some nice white noise. Yeah. Um, all right, let's hop into our segments. Woohoo. So for my week in review, Kylie actually did an IGTV on this topic mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago now. So definitely go check that out if you haven't seen it already. Um, but basically, I just wanted to talk about how 2020 has really thrown us all for a curveball. And I feel like I have these great weekends and I really enjoy spending time outdoors and everything. But then during the week, I just tend to really get in my feels about how literally nothing in 2020 has gone to plan. So like my my job situation, my housing situation, graduating, stuff with my family, like literally everything has gone haywire. (laughs) Um, But I'm just trying to remind myself that, you know, we're all allowed to grieve the normalcy that we're missing out on for as long as you need to. And um, even if you feel like the rest of the world has moved on, or if they've been able to get their lives more on track than you have, it doesn't mean that you're not doing great through a literal pandemic, recession, civil rights movement. Um, so just trying to remind myself of that. And, um, I was actually on a call with my mentor, Anna last night, and we were just kind of talking about, she was giving me like management tips and we just got into talking about how crazy this year has been for a post-grad person like myself. And I said something along the lines of like, yeah, it just sucks to have all your plans down the drain. And she said, your plans aren't down the drain. They're just down the timeline which I really liked. So I thought I would share that because I feel like it's going to be my new mantra whenever I get down about that kind of thing. Yeah. Just kind of remembering that things aren't out of the picture. They're just shifted a little later than we thought. So um, just trying to have that perspective as, you know, as we keep on navigating this crazy world. Yeah, for sure. I won't say too much because like you said, I did a an IGTV on is because I was especially in my feels a few weeks back about this topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like that quote from Anna a lot. I'll keep that in mind. 
So my week in review is a little upsetting. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> mad about it. So at this point in time, like we, we've said in our episodes before, we record ahead. So at this point, it was last week. For you guys, it was a few weeks back now. But the Supreme Court ruled allowing employers to deny birth control coverage based on religious or moral objections through health insurance. So this is annoying <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not good. And I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> well, no. So first of all, I've seen, uh, we won't go down the mask train because that's like a whole episode in and of itself, but I've seen a lot of people who don't want to wear masks these days saying, you know, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. I can do what I want with my body. It's my body, my choice. And I'm like, oh, hmm. So you must be so mad about this right now. Like so mad because tens of thousands of women just lost access to like basic body autonomy. <laughs> so like you you don't want to wear a mask, my body, my choice. But a woman wants to use contraceptive and you're like, your body, not your choice. So sorry. Yeah. And I'm not saying that everyone that doesn't want to wear a mask is against contraceptive. That's not what I'm saying. But I am theorizing that there might be a bit of an overlap. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then the second thing that like blows my mind about this is that, so the ruling was seven to two, obviously seven in favor of allowing these restrictions. Six of the seven votes in favor were men. Let that sink in for a second. If you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That sounds a little sexist. You're right. It is. Good job. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. That's why I've thought all of the tweets along the lines of like, you're not voting for Joe Biden. You're voting for RBG's replacement are so important. (laughs) Oh, I saw that the other day and I was like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you're not wrong there. It's just insane to me. And obviously, so there's three women on the Supreme Court, if you don't know. There's nine people total. Three of them are women. The other six are men. Did I do the math right? (laughs) 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 My brain just like malfunctioned. Anyways, the two dissenting votes were women. I did a semester long project actually arguing (laughs) with the two justices that dissented arguing for the medicinal value of birth control and defending the ACA regulation because this whole ruling um, basically rolled back a regulation in the Affordable Care Act that allowed or that made it so that employers had to cover certain amounts mm-hmm. of contraceptives. So I did a, a little I spent a whole semester arguing for why contraceptive is valuable outside of just preventing pregnancy. But I want to be clear. It is a basic human right for women to control their own bodies, regardless of your opinions on sex, abstinence, contraceptives, religion, whatever it may be. People should be able to control their own bodies no matter what. So I'm <laughs> you shouldn't over here. You shouldn't need the medicinal value of birth control to like understand that basic concept. But if you need a little extra reason to jump on board or even some extra ammo when debating with your friends and family, um, literally hit me up for this project. So yeah, that's I could honestly make a whole episode on how ag- maybe this will be my next IGTV. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how like in Europe it's you know 2020 and in the US it's like you know 1971. <laughs> so um that's great. Now that we've um fueled all your feminist fires why don't we <laughs> hop right into our favorites of this week 
your feminist fires. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my favorite of the week is, um, a little, a little man's that got left out of our celebrity crushes episode, honorable mention, um, Quinn 92, he is a music artist and it's Quinn XCII because it's like Roman numerals if you're not familiar with him. Um, but his new album dropped pretty recent to when we're recording this and it's called a letter to my younger self. And I've just always been a fan of his for like the last three or four years now. Yeah. Um, I think his music is like really fun and vibey. I think it's good. Like, I think the, my most ideal scenario to play Quinn music is like a chill pregame environment. I think that's the yeah. best use case I've thought of. Um, so if you're curious, my favorite songs off this album are Am I High RN? Am I High Right <laughs> Now? And um, the title um a letter to my younger self is also really good so those are my top two um but yeah i'd really recommend i guess like how would you describe his style it's like pop it's like pop alternative a little indie (laughs) yeah but i like him a lot he's a he's a wholesome guy we've seen him in concert a couple times we were supposed to see him in about two weeks actually so that's sad because we would have heard this album live but oh true all right thanks rona yeah um i know i still need to listen to this album i was telling anya before we started recording that he dropped it on like a a tuesday which is odd because i feel like normally artists drop albums on like the weekend maybe i'm just making that up quinn does what he wants that's fair i respect it (laughs) i respect it but i just didn't know so (laughs) i'll go listen um so my favorite for this week is eyebrow thetting so I have been an avid eyebrow waxer since my unibrow started growing in when I was around 14 years old. (laughs) Well, in my defense, I have really dark eyebrows. They grow in and they, we get a unibrow every six to eight weeks. (laughs) So I started waxing my eyebrows when eyebrow thudding wasn't really a thing. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I see it. Because, like, I, when I say 14, like, it's not a joke. Like, that's genuinely when I started doing it. Um, so I had waxed for so long. And then threading became kind of popular. I had heard that it was super painful. And I was happy with my waxing. So I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm not going to do it. Cut down. Here I am. I don't really – I had a place in Worcester when I was in school that I really liked that did waxing. And my eyebrows came out good all the time. But now that I'm in New Hampshire for the foreseeable future, at the very least for a few six to eight week time periods, (laughs) I wanted to find a place that I liked getting my eyebrows done because I hadn't really found it yet. And then Anya went and saw someone in the southern New Hampshire area who does threading and her eyebrows, she sent me a picture and I was like, wow, those are good looking eyebrows. I like the look (laughs) of those. And so you gave me this woman's contact information and I went and it was my first time threading. First of all, threading is not at all more painful than waxing. It is like the same, if not less. And I am a baby, like full-fledged baby when it comes to pain. So the fact that I didn't find it painful, I'm like, "Mm, why did other people find this painful? I don't know. But, and my like biggest thing is that my skin around my eyebrows wasn't at all irritated afterwards normally when you leave a wax 
you look crazy. Like you can't yeah. go anywhere after a wax because your whole face is like red and swollen or like all around your eyebrows is red and swollen. And I left looking pristine, ready to go out and about on the town. Yeah, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, I think, when I was saying how I was going to a new eyebrow lady and I was nervous. But um, as you can tell, we loved her and I even recommended her to Kylie. So yeah, if you're in Southern New Hampshire, feel free to shoot us a DM. I would love to give you the lady's name and drive more business towards her because she is literally the best. She's so nice, so cute, and (laughs) does a great job. My queen. Literally my queen. But yeah, so (laughs) if- All hail. If you've been afraid of of threading though and you've been waxing, like- Especially my sensitive skin girls out there, do it. Go threading. It's not that painful and your skin and your eyebrows will thank you later. And I just feel like I've never actually had a wax done because I just started out with threading a couple years ago. But my perception is that you can just be so much more... um, Precise? Yeah, precise. I was going to say agile. Like you can... (laughs) Agile. There's just so much, yeah, more precision involved in the threading rather than like a strip of wax, I feel like. so. And it's so much better for your skin because when you're waxing, you take off like the top layer of your skin. That Mm -hmm. ain't good. So we digress. Get your brows threaded, ladies. (laughs) Yes, ladies. It's 2020. Get your brows threaded. All right. Hopping into our main episode topic for this week, um, how we decided what the heck we want to do with our lives. So we're going to start with our personal journeys followed by our decision making with um, going to grad school versus going into the workforce and then followed by some advice for deciding what's right for you. So why don't we uh, just hop right in and I can start off on you. All right. So as far as my personal journey, deciding the field that I wanted to go into, Um, I am in a family of legitimately all engineers. Um, (laughs) both my parents are engineers. My grandparents are engineers. Like it's, I'm surrounded really. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surrounded. It's terrifying. Um, and I'm also a first generation American. So I feel like that kind of plays into this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've always known math was not a strength of mine. Um, you know, like the typical thing every kid has experienced, like, crying at the kitchen counter because you don't get your math homework in like third grade. Me literally always. Um, And so I always knew that I was stronger in kind of the social sciences, the soft sciences, what have you. Um, But I think that kind of, I don't know if this is true, but my perception was that it kind of came to the dismay of my parents because STEM, not even STEM, really just math came so easily to them yeah and it was really hard for my dad to like comprehend why I wasn't understanding these like simple in his head uh formulas and things like that but it was just so not my thing yeah um so and then I've also felt always kind of innately connected to the environment so I've always loved being outside I've always really loved learning about animals like ask Kylie I literally love animals so much. Um, you can't take her on a walk because all we do is say hi to dogs. <laughs> dogs and like I love Rabbits. going to farms just to like look at the goats. Like yeah. I've just always loved animals and I love like learning about ecosystems. Um, but I didn't really consider it as a career path originally because I felt like I had this assumption that all environmentalists could do was become like earth scientists or geologists, which I found and still find quite boring, even after taking some courses in it. <laughs> um, 
Although volcanoes are pretty badass, don't get me wrong. Um, I just wasn't all about like the metamorphic rocks, and that's fine. <laughs> <Sure>. um, <laughs> who is really? There's people, man, <laughs> passionate about those rocks. What are they? Like, I've had some professors or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have this. Um, my capstone professor actually, his entire office was like full of cool like geodes, basically. Oh, so okay. There's people. I'm like, it's a vibe, but it's not my vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it came to college, I ended up going in as a political science major. I've mentioned this before. And this is because I was legit obsessed with AP Gov. Like, I thought it was my calling. I was like, how a bill becomes a law. Like, it was so, I was so into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that I wasn't interested in running for office. And I knew that I wasn't interested in pursuing academia. So it left me kind of lost as far as an application of the field goes. Like I was like, okay, like I like learning about the concept of political science and I like learning about how different systems work in different places culturally and all these things. But I was like, but then what? Like, what do I do with it? So because of my interest in animals and the environment, I just took some electives in environmental science um, and discovered environmental studies as opposed to environmental science. So if you don't know, environmental studies is a field that kind of focuses more on the social aspects and kind of the human impacts of the environment and climate change. So instead of like the rocks, like I was mentioning, or like a glacial study or something like that, think more like environmental and climate justice, the ethics of citing controversial facilities. So like environmental impact studies for landfills, wind farms, things like that. Um, a lot to do with the food and agriculture system, clean energy incentives and implementation. And I just knew I was like, yep, this is it. Because I felt like it was a way for me to combine my passion for the environment and for um, mediating climate change in a way that I was good at, in a way that I could still apply like my natural skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so for reasons that are too complicated to get into this episode, I ended up combining my major instead of just switching majors. I was basically just too far along in poli sci for it to make sense to completely Mm -hmm. switch. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how I ended up with the major that I did and kind of where I am now. And I literally feel like so connected to climate justice and climate solutions. And I truly feel like this is humanity's biggest issue of our time. And I like really wouldn't feel right dedicating my life and my career to any other field. So yeah, that's kind of my determining my my field um, story here. Nice. I will say, I think that political science and environmental studies works hand in hand, at least from like a, like, I feel like political science, you learn a lot about like advocacy and just like argumentative skills almost. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't take, I only took like one or two poli sci classes in college, but so I feel like it's less unrelated than it might seem. Yeah. And I think obviously- you need very strong policy to make any environmental change happen. And it's something that like more than any other issue of our time is going to require international collaboration. For sure. Um, So I definitely, I think they are connected and I always got comments that were like, Oh, that's a cool combination. Like I see how that makes sense. Um, So I'm not like regretful that I had to continue with poli sci. I just know that it's not something I'm going to pursue individually. Like I would the environmental side. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Well, Funnily enough, my story starts with a double major, but does not end with a double major, (laughs) my friends. Um, So for me, I've also talked about this before. I am a first-generation college student. 
I have an older brother who had graduated college before I started as a freshman. Um, but growing up, I had no idea what I, what I wanted to do. Not a single clue. I was the kid that like every two weeks was like, no, I'm going to do this. No, actually, I totally changed my mind from that. I'm going to do this. And I was just all over the place. When I toured colleges and for a very brief moment in time, I was looking into physical therapy and nursing. Now, anyone that knows me is probably like, what do you That's mean? literally so weird. When you told me that the first time, I was like, what? It, yeah, no, it makes no sense, like, even in the slightest bit. But my older brother was in grad school at the time, working towards his doctor of physical therapy. So I was like, okay, like, that. everyone seems proud of him for choosing that path. Like, might as well just, like, don't fix it if it ain't broke, you know? Um, but as I got closer to college, specifically at the beginning of my senior year of high school, I just knew my strengths and interests were in the humanities, but more specifically in English. Like I took anatomy for two weeks in my senior year of high school and was like, get me the F out of here. Like I'm, <laughs> this is not for me. And I dropped the class because I was like, yeah, no. And that's when I decided maybe <laughs> I'm more of a humanities gal and give me, uh, some poetry, that's a bit more my speed. So I ended up going into Assumption as an English Lit major and a Secondary Ed major because obviously I was like, okay, cool. I love English. I want to major in English. Everyone in my life was like, what are you going to do with an English degree? I was like, um, yeah, I don't know. So they were like, what about being a teacher? I was like, yeah, cool. And then I chose Secondary Ed because I don't have the patience to deal with little kids all day, every day. So I was like, teenagers will probably be better. I was fine with that. That was all good. I was taking education classes. I was taking English classes and I was happy. And then the beginning of my sophomore year, I had my first in-classroom experience. And there wasn't like an epiphany, like, oh my God, this isn't what I want to do with my life. Like my whole, my real path has like cleared its way. Like just over time, I was like, do I really see myself doing this? In-classroom meaning like, teaching student teaching in a classroom so no <laughs> um it was basically because obviously so you don't like actually student teach until like end of junior year senior year of college this was I was placed in a classroom as part of one of my class assignments and I was essentially like a teacher's aide so I was taking a class mm -hmm. and teaching students with special needs and I was teach I was placed into a classroom with all students who um were on IEPs for various different reasons. And it was a study hall, essentially. So I worked with the teacher to individually like tutor the students, mm -hmm. which ironically, I've talked about before that my job in college was in fact being a tutor. But I don't know, just like showing up in the classroom every day, I obviously like met a bunch of the teachers, I like walked around the school, like observed a bunch. And I was just like, <sighs> like, my heart just wasn't in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was like, I feel like I'm just settling so that I can study English for four years. But is it worth settling for my whole life <laughs> to study English for four years? I don't know. So I ended up talking a lot with like professors. I talked with my advisor a lot and he was honestly really, really helpful with making this decision. And they basically ensured me, they were like, Kylie, you've been taking English classes for a year and a half now, three semesters now at Assumption you're talented. You're a smart kid. You're very talented in these courses. Like you could do this. If you wanted to just major in English, you could do this and you're talented enough to figure out where to go from there. 
So I kind of low-key went out on a limb and was like, screw it. I'm just going to be an English major and we're going to hope that a viable career path presents itself at some point. The heavens open. (laughs) Yeah. And guess what, ladies? It did. (laughs) So (laughs) the day I declared my major, like I literally declared my major, I think on like one of the last days that we had, because I was so like, what am I going to do? Um, but I made the decision. I declared my major as solely English writing and mass communications. And as I was like handing in the slip, you had to get it approved by the chair of the English department, which obviously they just sign it. Like they're not going to tell you no, um, unless you're failing. But I had had this professor, I had had the chair as a professor in an English course before. And we were just catching up, um, after he signed my slip And he said, hey, have you, like, ever considered going to law school? And I was like, no, actually, I haven't. And we kind of chatted a little bit. And he was like, I think you should do some, like, research on, like, the skills of a lawyer. Because I think you'll find that a lot of your innate skills really match well with that. And I was like, okay. So I did. I did my research. And I saw how expansive the legal field was. It's a lot more than just, like, showing up in a courtroom. And I saw how many of the the skills that I had and the things that I liked to do kind of aligned in the field. And from there, the rest was history. I was kind of like, I think this is it. And I remember going to my parents and they were kind of like, well, I mean, you can argue the paint off the wall. So this makes sense. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wrote in the script, I like to think that because I'm a Libra, that I'm drawn to justice <laughs> and equality. Because that's that what my fourth to me. said. <laughs> no, that no, checked but, out. Yeah, so I'm like, it. it's written in the stars. I mean, but yeah. So these past few months have, I think, really highlighted the importance of things like climate justice, race justice, healthcare justice. Like, literally, <laughs> if these last few months have shown anything, it's that, like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Can you hear that thunder? <laughs> yeah, wow. It stopped over here. So it must have gone back to you. It's literally bouncing back and forth. Okay. So I think over the last few months, at least for me, it's really... I'm not going to say open my eyes because I, I was aware, obviously, that like it wasn't all like sunshine and rainbows over here. But it further like ignited that like flame of, okay, what I'm doing can and will be really important in the years to come because we have a lot of work to do. Um, So yeah, so I think that my personal skill set, my interests will really help me tackle these issues from that legal perspective, almost from that like policy perspective. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm the policy, you're the um, follow through. (laughs) (laughs) The implementation one might say. Yeah, that's the word. Um. So yeah, hopefully that gives you guys some perspective um, about kind of how we ended up choosing the paths that we did. So, or choosing the fields that we did rather. Yeah. So now we're kind of going to get into kind of an aside to the conversation, but I think it's pretty relevant to include into this topic, which is our decision-making process as far as immediate steps after our bachelor's degree. So Mm -hmm. um, if you're new here, I am in the workforce and Kylie is about to matriculate into law school. So we have kind of chosen different paths here. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about how we ended up there and kind of how that correlates with our previous field decisions and things like that. 
So if you're new here, um, I work at a startup facing organization and we help startups in mostly clean tech, but also other sectors with their manufacturing needs so that they can scale and commercialize their technologies that are solving the world's toughest problems um, while keeping these processes local and contributing to the local economy and kind of trying to ensure that these things aren't outsourced overseas when possible. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, just for that context, in case you're unaware. Um, And I definitely want to go back for a master's degree in something, but I really wanted to make it a goal to diversify that secondary degree from my bachelor's degree. And I spent all of my junior year and summer afterwards kind of talking to my mentor figures, my managers, literally getting coffee with random people at my internships. And the biggest piece of advice I got from everybody was just don't rush. And um, I felt like I almost needed that security blanket of having school as a next step because it saved me from having to do the work of finding a job. (laughs) Um, But the reality is that there's thunder here now too. (laughs) The reality is that degrees are expensive and secondary degrees tend to narrow your career path more than your bachelor's does. So if you're not positive about the exact next step that you want, it's really worth taking time in industry to see what types of positions spark your interest. And I mentioned my internships and I'll speak to them a little bit more later in this episode as well. But I had a great experience at both of those. So the idea of entering the workforce was pretty exciting to me. And I I craved that change of pace post-grad. I just think that I was kind of afraid to take the dive and, you know, really start applying and figuring out where I was going to end up. Um, But I feel really lucky because my current role actually exposes me to a ton of different fields because I'm literally every day working with different startups. So um, I just get so much exposure to different types of technologies, different types of positions, different types of opportunities. So I'm really excited to use this role to kind of refine my next steps this way. Um, And oddly enough, I'm kind of considering an MBA or something, which is something I never would have said a couple years ago because, you know, poli-sci major me was like capitalism is theft. Um, (laughs) But now that I'm, you know, meeting brilliant MBAs and, you know, getting more of a sense for how business can still do good and still contribute to the greater good, um, that's something that I'm thinking about. And that's something you would never pretty much never traditionally pursue immediately after undergrad anyway. Most MBA programs need you to have a couple years in industry. That's like the point. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Definitely still refining it, but that's kind of my, that was my thought process behind not immediately pursuing a graduate program, much to my parents' dismay. Um, I think Kylie will talk about this a little more, but um, they really prescribed to that momentum model of like being a student and needing to continue that momentum. And I see their point, but I just really didn't want to drop all the money to realize that I had a degree that I didn't really want. Um, So I'm using this time to figure it out. And I'm excited to eventually pursue something that I'm passionate about and that I've seen play out in industry, which is where I eventually want to end up anyway. So yeah, that's kind of my two cents. Yeah. So I'm glad you bring up the momentum because for me, honestly, that was one of the main driving points um, was that I know how to be a student. I know how to be in a study uh, schedule and do all of that. So for me, I was like, if I can go to law school right after graduating, I think it would be what's best for me because I'm a very routine. I think you are too, but I'm a very routine oriented type of person. And I like 
feeling very secured in my routine. And I just know that I wouldn't want to put off law school for too long. Like if I were to take a gap year, it would only be for like a year or two. And to me, like the interruption of like a year or two just stresses me out because it's like, here I am once I'm like finally established in a routine, I'm going to have to change it all over again to go back to being a student. So in my mind, the ideal situation was to just go to law school right off the bat. I also know I want to be a lawyer. Like there's no other real side that I want to like explore, like no other career path that I want to explore. So to me, it's like, I might as well just like full send (laughs) and Mm -hmm. go to law school so that I can start practicing by the time I'm 25 and have, you know, my whole legal career ahead of me instead of those interruptions. Not that, you know, that's, it's not bad. Like, I'm not saying that gap years are bad. Just for me, I just think it would have been a bit too disruptive. But with that being said, I was also, I would say like that momentum was like number one deciding factor. And then number two was finances. I've talked about before, you know, I have student loans from undergrad and I also was like, I'm not really uh, feeling taking out more student loans for another three years of my life in a row. And I wasn't really in the financial place to do so. So, I mean, I said it on TikTok, so I feel like I should just say it in the pod because I haven't, like, fully specified my scholarship, but I was, like, so, so lucky to receive a full tuition scholarship to my law school, which, like, I was talking to my dad about it the other day, and I was like, that's insane. Like, that's actually (laughs) insane. I can't believe that I did that. (laughs) Like, a whole law school is like, we think you're going to be so good at this that we're going to pay for you. And I'm like, Okay. You're like, thank you. I like you. I'll prove you right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I will work so hard. Just you wait. Um, But yeah, but my point in saying that is not to like brag at all. So don't take it like that. My point is, is that literally if I had gotten any less than a full ride, I probably would have taken a gap year just to save up money to be able to afford taking on more student debt, if that makes sense. So now that you kind of have a sense for both of our decision-making when it comes to our post-grad paths, which I feel like this is something that's going to be an ongoing conversation with our podcast because part of the reason we wanted to start this podcast is because we are on different tracks and we think that those perspectives are going to continue to be interesting. So yeah, um, yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, But now we might kind of want to hop into some advice we have for deciding what's right for you if you're still in a position where you aren't quite sure the field or the path that you want to take or you're thinking about maybe, you know, pivoting. Um, I'll start out with one tip, which is to think about not only your natural or your innate strengths, but also what you're interested in. Because I think there's a lot of pressure to choose something that you're immediately good at. Mm -hmm. Um, but just because something doesn't immediately come natural to you doesn't mean it couldn't be a great potential career path for you with some work. So if there's something that you're really passionate about, but it's not immediately easy, don't just don't give up on it. Uh, don't push it aside because I think having that interest can sometimes be enough to, you know, be that fire under your butt and make you want to work hard enough to pursue it and compete with the people that it comes naturally to. Um, and that's kind of something that I wish, I wish that I hadn't so heavily relied on what naturally was easy for me Um, because I think to a point, you know, that is a safe route to go. But I think you being interested in something also has merit. Yeah, 
for sure. I agree. Um, going a little bit off of that, my one of my biggest pieces of advice is to go into college with an open mind about what you're going to study. Um, if you can and you feel comfortable going in undeclared, go in undeclared. Like there's literally no shame in doing that. You learn so much about yourself, especially in that first year of college, that even if you're going in with a declared major or declared track, um, I would even go as far to say that like go into college almost assuming that you're going to change your major because you'll be amazed at how many people either change their major or do kind of like what Anya did where she added in a major that actually became like her predominant um, course of study. So yeah, you learn so much about yourself while you're in school. You learn so much about how your interests can translate into an actual skill set that you may not have known. Because like, I didn't think that I had the skills that it took to be a lawyer. And I guess technically, I still don't really know. But I know that like, I'm so interested and so invested and worked so hard in these four years that like, I'll do whatever it takes to be successful on this path. You know what I mean? I would be interested to see like some statistics about how many college students change their major because I feel like it is something that, I don't know, it's not like taboo, but I definitely think that undeclared students do get kind of like an, oh, like you'll figure it out, sweetie, you know, yeah. um, but there's really no shame at all. So I looked it up really quick and it says about 80% of students in the United States end up changing their major at least once. So, so there's that. <laughs> if you're looking for a sign to change your major, this is it. um my next point is something that doesn't get brought up especially to women but it's definitely important um and this is something that I've heard from my female mentors as well so I kind of want to be that mentor figure for you guys right now and just be real and talk about you know what kind of lifestyle do you want to live what kind of lifestyle do you want to be able to support yourself off of and so of course there are opportunities to climb the salary ladder in all fields I'm not I'm not discounting that whatsoever, but this is a real thing to consider when it comes to starting salaries. If you know that that's a really important kind of like motivation for you personally, I know some people are just really motivated by money and by the idea that they're going to make money. Yeah. Consider that. Yeah. And even looking outside of the money part of lifestyle, but also like, do you want a family? Do you value work-life balance? Are you a workaholic and you don't mind working? all the time because obviously different fields are going to demand different like intensities I guess Mm -hmm. so definitely consider you know how you see your life playing out obviously don't let it be like a deciding factor because every field I think does and should have the flexibility to accommodate your specific lifestyle but don't discount that part either yeah definitely um another thing that I wanted to bring up here is If you are able to try to do some internships or co-ops in various fields and also various environments to see the real life applications of your degree. So for example, you could love studying microbiology in academia. You could love a trichoderma. You could love a microscope, (laughs) but you might not actually love spending all day alone in a sterile lab. So just really trying to get into industry and seeing how the degree that you've chosen is going to play out in real life is super important. Um, And I found these experiences most validating for my path. Um, Really quick, I did my first six-month co-op at a quasi-state agency, so essentially in bureaucracy. And, you know, I was already a little bit off the poli side chain, but I feel like just seeing all the red tape and everything that existed there really threw me off the poli side chain permanently. (laughs) 
Um, but it, you know, I would never have known that if I yeah. didn't work there. Um, and then my second six month co-op was at a startup, a unicorn startup. And that's how I figured out that I love innovation and I love the energy around like the innovation ecosystem. And it's how I ended up where I am. So I know like Northeastern students are especially privileged in the sense that they get to spend so long at their jobs. But even just a summer, I feel like is so um, clarifying, I guess, of yeah. whether or not you're going to like it. Yeah. Any, literally any extended period of time to be able to get um, like hands-on experience um, is crucial. Experiential learning is just as important as classroom learning. So get those internship applications. Sorry to anyone that may have lost their internship during I know. Miss COVID. <laughs> not, to, not to touch on a sensitive topic. Um, my other kind of big piece of advice is when deciding whether to go straight to grad school or to work for a few years and then go to grad school, I would say my two deciding factors kind of in hindsight were, do I need grad school for my current career goal? So someone like me, I want to be a lawyer. I have to go to law school and get my JD. So yes, I did need, um, grad school to do the job that I want to do. For someone like Anya, that wasn't the case. She's she's at a place where this is a job that she wants to do and that she feels passionate about. And grad school can and probably will come a few years down the line, but she doesn't need it right now. And then my second kind of question to myself was, can I take on the financial burden of grad school right now? Because I don't think that it is worth burying yourself in debt if you absolutely do not have to like if your whole life dream and like your entire being has led up to you becoming a lawyer then maybe it's worth kind of looking at the financial burden of going straight through but I'm gonna assume that for most of us that's not the case and like a gap year won't kill you and it'll allow you to like feel a lot more financially secure in achieving those career goals without like completely hindering yourself by the time you graduate, if that makes sense. To which your grad school responded, don't even worry about it, Kylie. We got you. Here's all the money. Don't even think about it. You're fine. Kylie, finances who? Okay. (laughs) Pay the health insurance Um, and move on. (laughs) So, you know, there's also this concept of being able to use a number of gap years to be more financially stable and to be able to save up more money for Hmm. eventually returning to grad school. But there's also the idea that maybe your experience in industry will make you a more interesting candidate, will encourage more scholarship money for you, Mm -hmm. um, and like diversifying your experiences could make you a better applicant um, to receive money down the line. So there's also that to consider, especially I think this is more applicable for like an MBA setting. But if you have industry experience, that's really impressive and you can point to really, you know, quantitative achievements that you've made. Um, I think that's a big win as far as potentially saving money on your secondary degree as well. Yeah, I would even say when I was trying to make my decision of when to go, I did a few readings and with law school too, um, some schools even encourage taking a gap year and for law school especially, it kind of shows that you do in fact really want it. Like if you've taken a few years off and you're willing to apply and disrupt your lifestyle to become a full-time student again, you must really want a law degree. So obviously that. You've tested the waters elsewhere. Yeah. And you still want it kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, 
we, we will definitely keep you guys updated on our experiences, you know, um, in the workforce and in law school. And, you know, I'll keep you updated on my path to eventually going back to school. And that's the whole point of this podcast is that we want to be candid about these experiences and kind of give the best advice that we can, even though we're actively going through it with you guys. Um, so yeah, I hope this episode was helpful for you. Um, if nothing else, you got to hear about my love for animals. <laughs> yeah, you got to hear me relate law school to my horoscope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just do what's best for you. Don't let anyone hinder your path. You go, girl. As our Or boy. Or boy. Yeah, sorry. We do have a 20% male audience. So We have a 20% male audience. We have like a 2% male Instagram following. Yeah, so um, the 20% men that are listening to this, we get <laughs> you're all fake. <laughs> we see you and you're fake. <laughs> so I take, I will stay with my you go girl. <laughs> Speaking of Instagram, give us a follow over there. Um, we've started posting some more diverse content. So we hope you guys are enjoying it and yeah. liking it. Um, also follow our TikTok. Send us some suggestions. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. Please um, do it. <laughs> yeah, we have goals around these things, guys. Yeah, Come on. <laughs> we are a business. Okay. Make our quarter three count. Yeah, we really have quarter three goals, you guys. Like, for the most part, you guys are pretty much killing it. Our ratings are not really up to par. So we would love if you could just sneak on over to Apple Podcasts and slap us with. Yeah. You hit the fifth star to the right. <laughs> You're like you hear that it's the the fifth star the fifth, that's the, the only fourth, one you can hit no the third absolutely not the fifth none of those <laughs> work so <laughs> yeah so i hope you guys liked this episode and we'll be coming back to you next week with something new and um thanks again to the listener that requested this episode if yes. you want to request episodes hit us up on instagram we run polls on the topic so yes that's it yes we will talk to you guys next tuesday Talk to you then. Bye, guys. Bye.